DJ K and Cozy show has quickly become a hit amongst the University of Iowa football fans. KRUI 89.7 FM struck gold when former Hawkeyes star Darrell Johnson Koulianos and beat reporter Matt Cozy joined together for the weekly football podcast. They, you know, I kind of know what's going on, what the team's thinking and what players are thinking and, and, how, and how to prepare for it and, and what we're seeing um, and what they're seeing. And, and obviously Matt um, being as articulate as he is and, 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 and well advanced and, um, from a football standpoint, uh, you know, together uh, we create a kind of a, a kind of a fun, a fun show. Welcome to Eavesdrop. Here's your host, Matt Cozy. A little blast from the past right there to lead off the show. A clip from Daily Iowa Television. My good friend Nick Zafransky back in his TV days with that clip on what was then the DJK and Cozy show in fall of 2012. That is my guest today, Darrell Johnson Koulianos, right here on Eavesdrop. DJK had a very successful career at Iowa. Proved to be one of the best receivers in Iowa football history. He has a few high marks for his career. He's second in receptions, second in yards, fifth in touchdowns, and fifth in all-purpose yards. Speaking of which, all-purpose yards includes return yardage, and you'll hear a clip prior to an interview of him returning a kickoff for a touchdown against Ohio State. So pretty cool stuff there. If you're an Iowa fan tuning in, you know DJK's story. If you're not, uh, he ran into some trouble, did not play in his last college game in December of 2010, got suspended prior to that. We touched a little bit on that in the interview and how different things throughout the course of his journey since then have changed him and come to realize a lot of things with his career and some of his personal decisions back then up until this current moment in time. So, Cool to hear him reflect on things and uh, reminisce a little bit and take a trip down memory lane and also hear about what he's doing now, including uh, coaching. So um, he claims he's a better coach than a player, which is kind of unique to think about. We'll see where his coaching career goes from here. So you're going to hear that clip, the Ohio State kickoff return for a touchdown. Then we're going to get to the interview. Also a discussion that took place off air. You know, we did that DJK and Cozy Show podcast almost eight years ago now. We've threatened to do one again the last couple seasons, haven't pulled the trigger. And in a conversation that took place afterwards when we did this interview, we decided that we are going to return whenever football returns. So 
We're going to try to do an Iowa football podcast whenever college football comes back, whether that's this September or January 2020, 2021, excuse me, whenever that is. Uh, there's been multiple plans floated out there. So we're going to try to make a comeback, provide some good content for the listeners, have some fun again. And uh, DJK really is a football junkie, and um, I'll try to drive the show, make him shine just like I tried to do eight years ago. And um, I enjoyed this conversation and, and catching up with him. So first that clip and then the interview right here on Eavesdrop. Kevin Barkley's kick down to Darrell Johnson Koulianos. He escapes, makes another good move, and he's off to the races. He will score. Darrell Johnson Koulianos touchdown, and Iowa is right back in it. Darrell Johnson Koulianos, DJ K is here. Uh, thanks for being on today. My guy, Maddie, how you been, bro? Been good. Thanks for being on the show so early. I wanted to have you on and the concept of the show is that sometimes we're going to, the listeners literally going to be eavesdropping. And in some cases I haven't talked to somebody in a while. And that's certainly one of these cases we've traded messages back and forth, but haven't gotten the phone or anything. So this is pretty cool. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's a good time to kind of get into some of this, knock some of these out and just kind of indulge in conversation uh, with this coronavirus and sort of, being stationary and, and bunker down has kind of allowed me to, you know, take some time to do some of the stuff like, you know, get into podcasts and do some more reading and kind of just put it in neutral and, you know, figure out, sort of clear my mind and just refocus, you know what I mean? And uh, I feel like <clears throat> having conversations kind of, <clears throat> you know, opens you up. It it uh it grounds you it you find you find like joy and you know reminiscing about you know the good times and and you know rekindling old friendships like ours you know what i mean so it's been a, it's been a good thing i've i've done this um you know more often lately uh and i i enjoy it yeah we actually did a show when you went back to Iowa city and finished up your degree. We did a show that was the fall of 2012. So we've had almost an eight year layoff. Wow. And, uh, That's amazing. I remember yeah. going to that yeah, one room. What, what building was that? That was actually in the IMU, but it was yeah. like, in a top, it was the top floor in like some corner. Yes. That's it. The IMU bro. Oh my God. When I came back for that semester, I lived in the IMU. Basically, that was your spot to study and stuff? Everything. I ate there, and then I had the thing with you. Just for whatever reason, I found myself in that building a lot. There you go. Good memories right there. Yeah, that was actually right at the IMU. I think that was my true freshman year. I could be wrong, but uh, college game day came out to Iowa City. Yes, I think. So would that have been fall of 06 or 07? That would have been a fall of. Seven, and I think that was the last time game day was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely for sure it was. Right, uh, the last time they were there. So, but anyway, that's when I think of the IMU because they had it in that that field out in front of the IMU. Yeah, Hubbard Park. Yes, Hubbard Park. They used to have. I used to love Hubbard Park. This would be like all kind of frisbee, you know, guys playing frisbee and different things, and 
soccer, you know what I mean? It was always some activity going on. Some people, some classes were being held in that field for whatever reason. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so you're outside of Philly now, right? Or what are you? What are you up to? So I'll well, I lived in Philly for seven years. Okay. Um, I moved outside of Philly. Um, maybe three or four months ago, me and my family, I took a job at um, Bloomsburg University um, as a receiver coach there. And uh, my lady, she took a job at an administrative job at Penn State School. So we're about an hour and a half outside of Philly, pretty rural area, um, much different pace than the last seven years or Iowa City or even Chicago, obviously, but I'm really enjoying it. When did you start seriously thinking about settling down like that? (laughs) It's a good question. Um, Probably like 2013, 14, when I met Kayla, she was just an incredible girl, and I knew I had to figure out a way to keep her around long enough. And uh, here we are, 2020. We've been together now for eight years. Uh, we've got one son, Jax, and then another one coming in September. Another boy. Wow. So yeah, things are things are moving. moving. How has being a dad changed you so far? You've been able to tell right away. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's actually what I needed, man. I mean, it's my son is. I mean, when he was when he was a little. When he was a baby, I sort of the light sort of still didn't really go on for me. I really kind of fell in love with my kid and being a dad, and you know, just keeps me focused and on what I need to be doing. And you know, I don't want to let him down, so I've got to make sure that I'm doing the right things and putting myself in a position to be able to, you know, help him in his life and give him direction and guidance. And that's sort of been my my only motivation. Not my only motivation, but it's I enjoy what I'm doing. I think this phase of my life, I'm gonna really enjoy it. And, you know, being out in the farm, riding a mower, teaching my son how to use guns and four wheelers, and you know, it's it's just been the, the the it's that phase of life for me. And I I find a lot of joy in you know being the leader of my family. So it's uh you know it's a path that you know my life's always I always pride myself on my ability to adapt. And this has been another scenario where, you know, I didn't foresee me being where I am today, maybe five years ago, but I'm right where I need to be. So everything works out. What is the number one thing that Jax is into right now? Are you chasing him around or what, what's, what's his Uh, story? We're doing a little baseball right now. Okay. He he was hitting the ball off the tee. I was just watching some clips where I called you make him do like, 10 to 15 bats a day and you know he, he he's little so he don't he he's a busy kid i mean he goes 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 like the moment he opens his eyes to the, to the moment he closes his eyes he is going he's got a lot of energy he loves to run around tackle he's a high ranger batman he's thor he's captain america he's iron man <laughs> he's you know he's just go 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 and I love him that way. You know what I mean? He's in it. He's not afraid of much. He's, he's a yes. personality. He's a lot like mine. Um, so he's just been sort of the, 
not, he's been the greatest blessing of my life. He really kind of changed my life and, uh, you know, got me focused back on track and, and then everything else is sort of falling in line just by taking it one day at a time, doing the little things right one day at a time, and, uh, which is really in, really in a good place. So we're going to get back into the time machine a little bit today. Okay. There was the intro I did prior to this interview that I'm going to pre-record, um, you know, that goes over some of your, some of your numbers at Iowa, which is what a lot of people tuning in are familiar with. On the field, what made you so successful, you know, as a college football player, looking back on it? made me successful I just I think um you know even and even as a coach I think it all comes back to can consistency you know no matter what from the age probably five years old playing peewee ball to playing middle school to high school to college I, I was just consistent in in the fact that I showed up every day I was always there every summer I was always a quarterback on my team I was always the starting quarterback at every level I was always the leader, the captain of the team, and you know I just lived, lived and breathed football. You know I I wasn't necessarily the fastest guy or the biggest guy, but I was always playing and just defining, you know, uh, refining my skills, right, working on the nuances of my game, and eventually became a master of my craft. You know by being consistent, right, and that's part of that's half the battle. Is just you know, being fortunate enough to stay healthy and nothing go wrong where you can't play or, you know, you've got a good support system or just been able, being consistent, always being there, being in love with the game. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to go to Iowa and have really good coaching, um, you know, guys who know how to who know how to develop uh, talent or maybe guys who aren't five stars but can take a two or three star. And by the fifth, fourth or fifth year, it'd be, they are a, you know, all-conference player. So I went to a school that's a developmental school, and then I had some good fortune there where a couple guys got hurt, guy kicked, kicked out of school. I was I was up, you know. I was on deck because of injuries and some other things, and that forced me to, to be a four-year starter, the only receiver in school history to ever lead the team and, and, and to ever lead the team four years in a row. That's never been done except one time by me. And so, and you have to remember, I came in as a quarterback. So just a testament to just, you know, consistency, showing up and just doing it over and over, you know, reps and reps and reps until you master it. And uh, that's kind of been like my calling card is just, just being consistent. You mentioned the next man up philosophy, and a lot of programs have that. It's not unique to Iowa, but... I think sometimes fans or people on the outside roll their eyes at a phrase like that. But is that true as a player that, hey, I have to be ready. If my number is called, I'm I'm next up. Yeah, I mean, you know, you like to come in and start right away. But realistically, that's not – doesn't always happen. Especially, like I said, I was – I had a, I needed a year to transition to receiver. I had a redshirt because, you know, I never played receiver before. Um, but – you know, and there's just there's a maturity factor too, especially getting to college. I was like they say girls mature a lot faster than guys. And I was like at the tail end of the guys maturing chart. Like it was you know, so 
there was, you know, and yet when I say mature, just balancing their social life, academics, you know, being popular around campus, you know, being, you know, <clears throat> popular on the football team, you know, then, you know, you add in all the other stuff, the polarizing stuff, and it just, you know, just the immaturity factor, like, <clears throat> you know, and that stuff all came from just really from success, right? So, Remember, you know, it's different in Iowa. Iowa's, you know, they are, they own, they're the only show in town. You know, there's right. no, you know, in Pittsburgh, there's the Steelers, Penn State, right? The Eagles, Temple, Villanova. I mean, you go on and on and on. Pitt, Duquesne. I mean, in Iowa, it's Iowa, <laughs> you know. So realize, you know, under, being somewhere that football called, football was important to when I went there, my first visit, I was like, this is a football town. This is what I want, you know, uh, not like Pitt where it's in the Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? It was just, yes. I love the feel of Iowa City. And so seeing how, um, how important it was to the people and the culture, man, that was, that made it, that made it so much fun. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it made me want to ball out, you know what I mean? Playing in front of those crowds in Kinnick. <sighs> You know, made me want to, I, I didn't come out, I didn't go 10 hours away from home to just kind of be a Jag, you know, and that J, J-A-G, Jag, just a guy, right? So, yes, I don't want to be just a guy. So it was, you know, and it's like you taste success. I was, you know, I had success on the highest level of my career at that point. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's contagious. It's, it's infectious. It's, uh, once you taste it, it's addicting, you know what I mean? So you gotta, if you want more. Yeah. How much did that reception by whether it was classmates or maybe even teachers, just people on the street, did did that? Looking back on it, did that play a role into actually feeding into that immaturity? It didn't really help it, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you feel like you got the world by the ass. Everybody packed on the backs. Everybody's stroking you. The greatest thing ever. You know. Everybody wants to party with you. All the girls want to lay you. All the guys want to hang out with you. I mean, it's it's a really cool time, but you're blinded by what's important. I mean, it's college. College is not about being Mr. Responsible and making all the right decisions, right? But sometimes <clears throat> those decisions will cost you because the decisions you make in life will dictate the course of your life, right? So it's like, you know, while you, you, you're, you're away from home and you're free to do what you want and you gotta have a you gotta have a, a sense of, you know, hey, you know, what's right and wrong and you know, being in a position eighteen, nineteen years old and you got the world by the balls, sometimes you know, most most times, you know, people are mature enough to handle it, right? Sometimes they're not or whatever and things happen. <clears throat> what moments stick out the most from those four or five years, whether it was a single game or a season, what are some of the ones that are top of mind? Oh, it would have to be Penn State 08, um, beating Penn State when they were ranked number three on the last second field goal, uh, scoring three touchdowns in the big house, beating Michigan over Rich Rodriguez, who wanted me to come to West Virginia to play quarterback. Ohio State kickoff, 99 yards in the horseshoe in front of all my friends and family. Beating Minnesota, 55-0 in the last game of the Metrodome. 
and I would say hmm, one-handed one-handed touchdown against Wisconsin, my first college touchdown. There you go. Yeah. Where's the SI cover hung up in your house? Well, we've got about 10 of them. Some of them are in the <laughs> I got one in the drawer. My mom must have bought like 500 of them at one point. I mean, it was ridiculous. But, yeah, we've got, I got some. I signed one to my son. Um, yeah, the SI, that was another another memory. Uh, another In the morning, that came out. How could anybody forget that? Absolutely. With the benefit of time, what would you say was the main source of strain or whatever you want to call it with Coach Ferentz? Ask it again. I'm sorry. So now with the benefit of time, you know, over 10 years now since you've played, what was the main the main reason why you and Coach Ferentz never gelled? Um, it was a number of things. First of all, it was like the fanfare. Everybody worshipped me and gave me this nickname, DJK. And, you know, they loved me. And they, they were sort of like pushing him to play me. And I was immature behind the scenes. I, I wasn't always on top of my studies or I was late to meetings. It was just little things, wearing the wrong things at practice. I was incredibly immature right? when I think about it. And he's an old-fashioned blue-collar guy, do things the right way all the time. Um. So he was one extreme and I was the other, right? He had no patience for that. And I just, you know, I look back, I should have had, first of all, I probably should have never went to Iowa, you know, without, you know, never going through the experience, not doing my research on Kirk, Coach Ferentz. Our personalities weren't probably exactly compatible. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, he, they had this misconception that I was like, I never – but I was like, you know, they made a couple of comments that I raised with a silver spoon in my mouth. Like I, they had this because my adopted parents, you know, were doc, you know, were my dad's a doctor and stuff, and like they thought yeah. I just kind of never worked for anything. Everything's been, you know what I mean. And it really wasn't that. But I understand why they would feel that way. I always had the nicest clothes, and you know, he talked about what I wore in interviews. It just was very odd, and um, you know. Like I said, I, I take a lot of responsibility for just the immaturity aspect and not having the wherewithal to to understand what I needed to do or who I needed to be during that time. Um, you know, in order to achieve my to finish it to finish my dream because I checked all the boxes every stage of football. I was you know I was two time All Big Ten. I mean, I was good enough at the very least to get a shot. I didn't. So it's like you work 20 years at something and then three months before it's going to come to fruition, it's all washed away. I mean, that was the hardest thing. That was the hardest part about it all is I, I do put so much into it. And just like that, boom, it's gone, washed away. Like it never happened. That counts for nothing. And um, it's all I love is my first love. You know, right? So it's like, where do you go from there? I had some dark times some dark days following you know, those first couple of years out, you know, I could barely watch an NFL game. I could barely be around people back home because everybody wanted to know if I was still playing it. That's all they identified me with. It was, it was just bizarre. And, and to really have not done anything that 
you know, in my opinion, you know, I don't think that I deserved, you know, the outcome there. I mean, you know, right. I wasn't selling any drugs, you know, was I partying in college a little bit? Yeah, you all were. Right. But the way that it went down, you know, you would have, I had really no involvement in any of the things that were taking place from a dealing standpoint. I just, you know, but listen, well, I want to get into all that. Bottom line is I take the full responsibility for what, what happened then and where I am now. And I'm, I'm back on track. I'm in a good place. I got a, I'm, I'm doing good and I'm still you know, getting that same fix, that adrenaline, that, that void that I was missing in football and getting it through coaching just in a different way. Would you say that you have been able to fully move on despite those challenges, especially the first couple of years? Yeah, finally. That's I mean, good. I thought I was for a while, then I would get angry, and I would, you know, become not, not a good person. You know, it was just back and forth for like a decade until finally I got involved. Met, got involved in the game. Met some really incredible people at LaSalle College High School in Philadelphia who took me in and taught me how to coach and gave me a chance and sort of reignited that fire in me as far as the game of football. And you you still follow the Iowa program, and you would call yourself a fan, right? Oh, I'm, I'm a Hawkeye through and through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I support the, the school in every way. That, that's my alma mater. That's where I bled for, for that right. university. That's forever a part of me. I love that place. Just, you know. There know. was a couple recent stats that I wanted to ask you about. Now in your post career, um, in terms of what Iowa has done the last few years, and obviously you're keeping tabs on it, the biggest stat was after this NFL draft. They're one of six teams in the nation. Iowa is over the last three years to have multiple players drafted in the top sixty. Um, you know they had that twelve and zero season in 2015. They've been on a pretty a pretty good run. You know they, they're been winning bowl games, if you put stock into that. What have you seen from that program in recent years? Iowa has really taken their program to the to the next level um, in a number of categories. Um, they've, they have really sort of sort of revamped rebranded in a sense you know they're they're recruiting different too they brought in um, a receiver coach who I think is going to who's already it's already paying dividends he's he's on fire in the recruiting trails he's recruiting a different kind of athlete on a consistent basis you know on the perimeter that we rarely see at Iowa they're finding more explosive players more dynamic athletes you know, they're doing things with the uniforms and the throwback uniforms and, you know, their involvement with the, with the fan base uh, and Kinnick, you know, certain things they're doing with the seating and the Hawkeye colors. They're, they're making upgrades to the stadiums. Their facilities are top of the tops in the country. Uh, that's appealing to recruits. You know, they're, 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 they're letting the kids – 
sort of have more swag with the uniform. Some of the things were kind of old and redundant when I was there, right? And I'm seeing like a rebirth. I think, you know, the offense is, is doing some different things that you don't, you know, normally see. We're not accustomed to seeing from an Iowa Hawkeye football team. So I'm happy to see it. It's, it's really, uh, you know, I'm proud of it. I, I sort of not thought I would never see that. You know, just the, even the way Kirk Ferentz called games. You know, you see him going for fake field goals and, you know, two points and just the different brand of Iowa football. And, you know, that was Coach Ferentz's calling card. She's going to – he's going to inside zone you, outside zone you, going to, you know, 21, 12, 11 personnel and play field position football. He's going to punt the ball. He's going to make you go 80 yards. I mean, it's different now. They're taking chances. They're going – four downs to get 10 yards. I mean, there's just, you know, there's jet sweeping and reverses and all kind of stuff, you know. So it's it's uh it's fun to see, man. I'm I'm I think the state of the program is is better than it's ever been, more visible than it's ever been, more exciting, you can tell by the uh you know, what's going on, you know, how how they're doing things on social media. Uh, some of the, the caliber of recruits they're starting to get. It's just really cool to see, man. I'm happy for the program. Do you think that they could be ever viewed nationally in the upper echelon, or maybe you think they already are? You know, Iowa, it's there. It's a whole, it's a dyna, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, Iowa gets the respect nationally as a good fundamentally sound competitive football team you know you got to really work to be Iowa yeah you're just gonna you know roll right. in mechanic and and if and if they and if they really catch you slipping like they caught Ohio State you know that can happen you know they you don't want to come in the Kinnick ranked at night you know it's they've you know it's it's where a lot of undefeateds go to die man so I I, I think that you know and just Kinnick Stadium and the mystique of it. It's Kinnick Stadium, you know, the new turf, the scoreboard, the, the water tower, you know, the children's hospital. It's it's all amazing. The new, you know, Iowa Wave. Very, very cool things are doing out in Iowa City. Uh, kudos to, 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 to everybody in the administration. So share again where you are now with coaching and what was your main reason to try to get into that? Was that something that you had an interest in over as the years have moved along or has it really been a post-college interest? Um, I love the game. I love. You're a football junkie. Junkie, man. I love, yeah. you know, the schematics part. I love the camaraderie part. I love the competitive part. I love the recruiting part. I love the, you know, I love the BCS. I love the Power Five. I love the college football playoffs. You know, I love to see the 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 dynasty in Alabama. I love to see Clemson come and, and give them a legit rival. I love to see RPO. I love to see, you know, new coaches taking over programs from, you know, nothing and rebuilding them. It's, it's just a really fun business. It's a really fun industry. It's a really, just the whole dynamics of it all. And so when it was taken away from me from a playing standpoint, 
you know, I had to feel, I had to feel that void. I was, I wasn't, I was having, I was doing things and taking on other endeavors and jobs and I just, something was missing. You know, I had all the fun in the world and traveled and, you know, I just, you know, have a great family life and, you know, but something was missing and it was football. I needed to feel that void and I got into coaching five, six years ago and man, it's, it's been the best thing and I've totally committed myself to to doing it and I, and I think that you know this is going to sound crazy to you or maybe it won't but I think that I'm a better coach than I was a player already so it's wow. that, that's exciting yeah what's your favorite part about coaching so far it's just being able to 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 connect with the kids on you know having this doesn't matter the background or the you know the demographic or the sure sort of person just being able to I, I just think that I know how to connect with all the kids because I lived both sides of it you know I was born in poverty and I was also you know had it all my parents adopted me and gave me the world and taught me how to you know do things right way and be a good person and you know I was also in the projects poor and in the running streets you know so there, there's just across the board doesn't matter you, could, you know even now I lived in Chicago in the suburbs and Youngstown and the projects and now I live in you know Farmtown Pennsylvania so it's just all that has contributed to who I am and my ability to connect with the kids to get the most out of them and uh, you know it's 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 it fires me up to see the way they respond to me um, you know and just building relationships it's, it's fun I enjoy what I'm doing one thing about this documentary, I don't know if you've watched it, The Last Dance, the Bulls documentary. Yeah. And um, I, I transitioned to education career a few years ago, so I've been teaching and coaching myself, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really cool. It's enjoy, enjoyable to be around the kids, like you say. And You're at the college level, but I think there's some similarities with the high school players, too. It's just that competitiveness. I feel like in our era, it was a little bit more amped up. What do you see or what's your views on that in terms of the kids really having that fire, whether it's football or basketball, baseball, um, and having that competitive spirit? Because that's one thing about the Bulls documentary that I've really been reminded about. That some of those guys and coaches, too, man, they just wanted to go get it and have success. Yeah, so... What's your question? Yeah, that was kind of a, a ramble right there. Yeah, I know. It's all good. I, just, I was listening and then I forgot what that original question was. Do you believe that kids still have that competitive nature, you know, with all the noise around them and the distractions, you know, they're on their phones all the time, that they still really have that passion and that competitive nature for that sport? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think – you know, there's always going to, it's just different. It's different now, right? The recruiting processes now, right. it's, it's a me, it's a, it's a my brand first world we live in. My personal brand matters over everything else. You know, who, who I'm getting recruited by. I got an offer from this first, this school, that person, you know, my, I'm putting up my highlights, me working out, all this stuff. It's about, but when it comes down to, you know, 
being a competitor, you can't fake that. You know, that's that can't be. You either got it or you don't, and you really, you know. And our games are, <clears throat> you know, they're more visible than ever with social media and you know all these apps. You can watch the games all the time around the clock. You know, there it's it's our games are more visible than ever. So. You know, kids want to be Steph Curry. Kids want to be LeBron James. They want to be these guys. They want to be OJ, uh, uh, OBJs, Odell Beckham Jr. They want to be these guys because, you know, it's just more visible than ever. And uh, the, the our games are, you know, we have great ambassadors of our games. You've got Drew Breeses, Tom Brady's, and LeBron James's, and you know, the ratings for for football and, you know, some of the changes that the NBA's made, you know, it, it's just really grown, um, how do I say, you know, the desire for young kids to go out and, and be, you know, shoot half-court shots on a consistent basis and play, shoot the three ball. And, um, you know, for, for young flashy receivers to wear visors and, you know, catch the ball one hand like Odell. It's just, I don't think there's any question of, uh, you know, desire to want to compete from the youth. All right. Well, with a second kid on the way, I don't know if more DJK and Cozy episodes are, are in our future, but I was glad to do this episode and uh, maybe we can finally pull the trigger on a podcast one of these football seasons. Hey, man, let me know. I'm, I'm always down to talk ball. Keeps me uh, keeps me busy and in the loop, in the know. There you go. All right, thanks for coming on today. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Cozy, and this is Eavesdrop. See ya!